back to the Refactored Podcast, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck a little less each day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And today is episode 060, recorded on March 1st, 2022, in what has been a unpleasant week, I'll say the least. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think, the least that can be said. Yeah. So, uh, you know, right now, as, as probably, you know, in, in a shock to no one, Russia is conducting just an outright war of aggression uh, against its neighbor, Ukraine, uh, excuse me, Ukraine. Um, I, um, I tend to avoid, <laughs> I tend to avoid the news and politics for a whole host of reasons. This one, though, uh, is just so universally, um, not just undesirable and, and bad, but just outright evil that, you know, I, 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 I couldn't nauseating. Good, I, I couldn't in good conscience do the sh- the show has absolutely nothing to do with politics. And, you know, we've got some talking points we'll get to that are that are more in our in our in our our in our lane. But I mean, th- th- this isn't a technical thing. This is just a humanity thing. And and I felt I, I felt some sense of responsibility, you know, given the powerhouse that is the audience of the Refactor podcast that we should at right. least say at least say something um, that I mean. This is just wrong. This is just wrong. No, and, and I evil. think I think our our twos of listeners would agree if we said that the official stance of the refactored podcast is fuck Putin. Yeah, I think uh, that would be generally well received, and I think it's not inappropriate, right? Yeah. I mean, that's like like I don't, uh, and I've seen this sentiment echoed uh, online. Yes, um, I have nothing against the Russian people, right? This is this is their leadership. And yeah. I think everybody, everybody is a victim of their own government. And, um, and unfortunately I think the, the Russian people are really feeling that right now because the, however well the economy may have been battened down for the sanctions they knew would inevitably come, it's, it's the Russian population that will feel the brunt of the pain from this. And that's sickening. It's, it's absolutely despicable. Yeah, this, uh, I, I don't know. I, the words are kind of failing me. When no, you look there, at, there, when you look there really are happening. no words. And if you haven't, if you haven't watched, so I, in, in um, one of the more interesting sources that I have found for real on the ground sourcing uh, is Reddit. And <laughs> one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite sources to look at uh, it, uh, for the stuff going on in, in, uh, in Russia is a, is a subreddit called interesting as <laughs> ironically uh, it is just chock-a-block. Normally it's really cool, epic, interesting knowledge. And right now it is just wall to wall with uh, on the ground videos from people inside of Ukraine. And it, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking. The um, I have watched two, uh, I have watched two different translators break down and in tears while they were translating Zelensky in some yeah. of his, in some of his, uh, speeches. Um, and, and did you see the, the like two minute long standing yep. ovation he got when he video confed into the, that EU meeting? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's, I mean, you know, where there is, you know, where there is darkness, the light shines that much brighter. And, uh, you know, what the EU has done in support of, of Ukraine and Zelensky and what Zelensky himself has done are, uh, are, are real shining beacons for the rest of us. That I mean, 
he is demonstrating what I think everyone wants to see in in a leader. Um, and and you're, I mean, you're you're seeing you're seeing legends being being born here. Um, if you haven't heard the story already, he apparently was on a call with. Um, uh, with U.S. officials, and uh, the U.S. officials were purportedly uh, encouraging him to to get out of the country. And on that call, he declined and said he was going to stay and was apparently quoted as saying, quote, I don't need a ride. I need ammo. How f- baller is this guy? Like the stones that guy, on this guy. I guarantee you, he has trouble rolling out of bed in the morning with those massive stones that he's got. <laughs> like the, and, and you think about like an exemplar of servant leadership, like the strength yes. yep. and the resilience and the character that he has shown towards his countrymen is mm-hmm. nothing. It's almost unbelievable. Like I'm almost, I'm almost jaded enough by humanity to say that this is a psyop. But you know what? I actually believe that it's just they just have a really great leader, which is in diametric opposition to what the Russian people have. Yep. Who's just a war criminal at this point. I I don't know. Like, I I don't know. It's but 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 this is but this is technology, though, right? Because they're calling they're now officially like this is the TikTok war. Because mm-hmm. of the amount of firsthand video footage that is coming out of frontline conflict, right, um, which is I'm sure being used and abused by both sides in campaigns of uh, inform, you know, information all that campaign, kind of stuff. That, that's that is, fine. We're gonna that, that, that is part, part of warfare, war. and we're gonna war. we're gonna stay aside of that. But I look at it as as somebody who's kind of a fan of studying history. Um, I look at the, just the sheer volume of 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 primary sources that we will have out of this conflict and maybe you can't trust any of them but you start to you start to weave this patchwork of an overall picture of what's going on and what it's like and i think to be honest with you it's terrifying people who are completely unrelated to this conflict and i think that's good mm-hmm. i think it should i think if you're terrified by this and if you're appalled by it and if you're nauseated by it like i am good that means you are a breathing, feeling, thinking human person with an empathetic center in you. And I think it's also a good reminder that like, I don't know, I, I get, you know, cycle history comes in cycles, right? And you, you start to think that it's been like, we, we call this the long peace. Mm-hmm. Major powers have not gone to war since the end of World War II directly. I'll, I'll yeah, caveat. They, they, they're saying um, 30 years is the, is the number, 30 years of, of significant major peace for the last, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I think, human human history shows that every generation has to learn the same lessons over and over again, yep. right? And I think yep. when you see, when you see the greatest generation unfortunately passing away, then there's nobody alive that really remembers, that, that really can speak at broad scale to what happens. And that's not discounting any of the other, we've been in a ton of conflicts every year there's war somewhere but i think this level of exposure to the horror and to the hell that is war to the general population worldwide i look at the silver lining here and i say this is this is technology maybe maybe it helps prevent some conflict somewhere else yeah 
Yeah, I, I agree. Like I, I am, I am on the record as not a fan of social media, by the way. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> like, if something good is going to come out of this, if technologies, because what what happened? Uh, Ukraine asked, and and Musk, like, Musk, in my yep. mind, I picture Musk picking up a phone and like satellites. <laughs> satellites realigning themselves to give Starlink coverage to Ukraine because their their landlines are being cut and the internet disruptions everywhere. Um, it's it's really also gives me a little bit of my faith, restores a little faith in humanity to see how swiftly and how profoundly the rest of the world really is responding to this and, mm-hmm. and sending aid and standing up against Putin and this just, I don't know, the words are failing. Yeah, I, I, um, I thought it, it didn't. It didn't renew my hope in humanity. What it what it did was it just gave, because um, I always, I like to think th- that it's always that is always there. It's just not always on display, but sometimes, you know, in these kinds of situations, it it needs to be. And so, you know, seeing Elon stand up, here you go, like and you know, enabling them to stay connected to the world that, I mean, that's a, it, it just is, it's what you expect. And I think that it's, uh, it's something that you can, you can bet on from Americans in particular. Uh, we have always been a very, um, very generous people. Um, even just statistically speaking, you know, we give more yeah. to, to others in, in, uh, in donations, direct and indirect, you know, well above pretty much any other country. Um, I think one of the biggest problems in culture today is that people don't speak up when they see something that's wrong for fear of reprisal, but that's in, I, I think that that's, it's this small potatoes stuff that we get, that we're fighting about because we don't have, it's been 30 years of peace. We don't have something we have not had, I guess I should say, um, you know, an external threat that was clear and, and eminent and, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that that crystallizes and catalyzes uh, all of us across the uh, across the board. Um, but I mean, this is I mean, it is just it is unabashedly and unequivocally evil. They're, they're, he he's doing empire building for the sake of empire building. There is no there is no uh, re, there is no reason, legitimate reason for him to be doing this. Um, so it's. It, <sighs> It, it just grosses me out. And, and the rationale, the, the rationale is the thing that I, th- I find the most um, ridiculous and disgusting and f- hilarious all at once. Um, if you, if you heard any of his justifications, uh, you know, it, they were, they were asked by separatists on the border to come in and help them, you know, saving Ukraine from the Nazis. But then they proceeded to attack every major city center all over the country, not just on their border with with uh, between uh, Russia and Ukraine border, and the president Zelensky is Jewish. Oh boy, what a Nazi bastion Ukraine is! Like it's it, it is ridiculous on its face. It is ridiculous on its face, and I think everyone sees through this. And um, I think the world has reacted. Well, you knew that you knew that out the well. gate, right? Because yeah. if because if the contested regions were toward the eastern part of the country, then why are the central, northern, and western parts of the country being shelled exactly. at the opening point. of hostilities? Right? Yeah. There's, there's no. I mean, it was it was always a sham. And then, as we record this morning, there was a warning. He, uh, uh, Putin said, "Oh, um, yep. you know, civilians need to leave the city because we have precision 
uh, precision ordnance coming in. Okay, well, which is it, my guy? Is it precision ordnance that's going to target military and government installations? Or is it Soviet-era crap that's going to get dropped on apartment buildings with women and children in it? Well, right? they, hit can't, a, they hit a hospital. His, his, he has failed. And let's just let's set the politics aside, and let's just talk about the optics game here. He has failed to manage the perception of this. He has failed in his messaging. He has bungled this. Big time. From the go. Like if you all of the morality and all of the politics and all the human suffering aside, the man has just he's just communicated this the wrong way. Right. Like he's it's just he's just he's failed to set this. I, I don't know. It's, I think he I um there is an old it's wonderful mismanagement. Like this the, is this is this is a a horrific example of bad leadership and in every conceivable in every conceivable facet. Well, what I think, what I think happened here, I, um, there is an old, I think it's a communist saying, uh, a holdover from the Soviets: "Push where there's mush," and they go where where there's squishy until you get pushback. And I think he saw Ukraine as a squishier, mushier target than what actually happened. I think he anticipated walking in there and everyone just kind of freaking out and laying down arms and letting that be the end of it. He expected Zelensky to flee and he expected it to go in largely uncontested. I don't think he expected the pushback from the Ukrainian people, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible to see, you know, watching them, um, you know, they, they converted uh, a, um, uh, I think it was like a vodka factory into, you know, they were building Molotov cocktails and they custom printed labels for the Molotov cocktails that said F Putin on them. Um, there are, there's videos of towns, um, well, but there again, sandbags. there again, like, like, yeah, push where there's mush that fine. But, but when you, when you invade a territory, you don't, you don't do it slowly. Okay. Right. Yeah. You, you don't, you don't put old equipment driven by kids who don't have any experience on the front. That's not your tip of your spear. Okay. Right. What you do Either that's the best equipment and personnel he has, and I know the comparisons about Russia's economic output and their ability to make war in a modern setting and all of this kind of stuff. And okay, let's but set that aside. Either this is the best they've got, and they never had a prayer in the first place, in which case my theory has been, I don't really know that this is a war of aggression as a show of strength. My, cons my tinfoil hattery has always been, this is actually a move of desperation. Um, hmm. Fact pattern seems to fit better in my brain, but that's how I think about things. Regardless. Evil either way. Regardless, you go in. If you're going to take over a territory, you hit hard, you hit fast, and you take it before public sentiment turns against you, before the international community turns against you, before the defendants have the ability to appropriately arm themselves and build defense in depth and get supply chains running and messages out and coordinate people. Like, I... <laughs> I don't I like I I saw somebody online that was arguing, oh no, he's sending out the old junky Soviet area equipment first just as a meat shield to, you know, uh to to burn it up and weaken and then he'll come in with his with his strong forces. I don't see the from a military strategy standpoint, I don't see the sense in that. It just gives the opponent time to build up and time to dig in. I, I don't buy that line of reasoning. So then I start to think maybe that is the best stuff. And he is just desperate. And it's yeah. not excusing anything, obviously. No, of course it's still not. the same it's no, still the same atrocious horrific act, but um 
But we need to be able to think, you have to think about, and this is, I think you're making a good point in a roundabout way. Even stuff that is, you know, obviously very emotionally charged. Like I am, I am upset. I am pissed. And this doesn't affect me in a direct way. I, I get it. Like I'm, I am a level removed from that. And it still, it still genuinely upsets me. Um, even we still have to be able to take our emotion, put it aside and think rationally about these things in order to stop the bad from happening and then make sure the bad doesn't happen again. And so what I, what you're doing, I think is a very sane thing. Why is he here? What will that will help inform what we need to do to make this stop and to make this go away. Now, I think a sniper needs to find his sorry ass sooner rather than later. I think that is the most effective way to deal with this problem. Uh, and I would not be surprised if he's dead before the end of the year. I'll, I'm just putting it out there now. He's going to end up dead in a ditch somewhere because somebody is going to send in the specialist. And I don't, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be an insider. Could be that too. I'm seeing, right. I mean, you talked about the TikTok war. I'm seeing video and footage and messages from some of these Russian soldiers who, wh wh why are we here? They, you know, our, our leaders told us that we were coming in, that they were going to welcome us. And, you know, these people are, you know, fighting us tooth and nail. They, they don't yeah. want us here. What are we doing here? Um, there are, there are images of massive protests in Berlin, in, uh, in Russia, uh, and, you know, surrounding countries too. But in Russia, there are giant protests of Russian civilians pushing back that they didn't want to do this. Let it not be said that we don't strive for accuracy here on the Refactored podcast. So I was looking at most of the uh, protests outside of Russia. However, there have been numerous protests in Russia over this. Uh, according to an article on Wikipedia, over 6,500 people in 53 cities across Russia have been detained by police for protesting the invasion. Apparently, Putin has made peaceful public protest without permission of, the, of authorities illegal. Uh, this is apparently in direct violation of the Russian constitution. So that's still a significant number of people, 6,500 who are doing it, despite the fact knowing that they're going to get arrested. Pretty gross stuff. I, just walking around with a sign getting arrested mm -hmm. right yeah. which which yeah. which should be chilling to hear yeah. exactly now i think i think i think a, a political opponent a military rival inside inside the kremlin i wouldn't be surprised if it if it if it goes I, 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 that it, way be what well, you know here so um Aside from addressing the obvious, I feel like that's a that's a responsibility to you know to bring this up and address it. I think it would have been silly of us to to ignore what's happening here in this case. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to talk about just briefly is you know what can any of us do? Okay, um, you know because we're not directly involved. The U.S. is not directly involved. You know we are you know as individuals not directly involved. But that doesn't mean we can't help. First of all, you can speak up. Like I said. One of the biggest problems with we, that we have today is speaking up when we see things that we don't agree with. This is something that I think we can all collectively agree this should not be happening. And so, just speaking up to your to your friends and neighbors and and online, you know, like we're doing here, you know, to our in our own small way. Uh, the phrase that uh, is going around is "Slava Ukraini," which is uh, "Glory to Ukraine." That's their that's their um, that's their rallying cry. So, um, I think speaking up is the first step. 
Uh, the second thing you can do is you can actually directly support the war effort. Um, I have, through some of my professional connections, I have folks who are in um, security spaces uh, in uh, and based overseas in uh, in Europe, uh, security and, and government sources. Um, I'm going to be linking. Um, I think we should do it on the show notes too, but I will definitely do it on my uh, on my blog. Um, a number of sources where you can uh, donate. Uh, donate for, uh, all, I mean, all kinds of stuff. There are, uh, you can do food, Red Cross, you can supply gear to the army. You can provide, um, uh, auxiliary equipment for, um, getting people out of, of there, you know, doing, getting uh, refugees out. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. So, um, you should do your own homework now, full dis- you know, disclosure here, disclaimer, do your own homework, make sure that it's a good organization before you donate. But there are things that you can do to, to help in a very direct way. You know, Elon Musk is in a position to do a big, you know, awesome lift like he did. And I think the rest of us should follow suit in our own small way. And you, it, it's all about those little donations. Those things add up in a huge way and can make a really, really big difference. Um, so I... We'll add that to the show notes. Um, the only other thing that I I found when I was just doing some of my own research, I thought this was really apt. Um, in um, in the Nuremberg trials, the military tribunal following World War II, um, in the judgment, there's a there's a quote that I found that I, I really like um, describing the situation. I think well, it described World War II, but I think it's apt here for what Putin's doing. And it says, quote, war is essentially an evil thing. Its consequences are not confined to belligerent states alone, but affect the whole world. To initiate a war of aggression, therefore, is not only an international crime, it is the supreme international crime, differing only from other war crimes in that it contains within itself the accumulated evil of the whole. I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, this whole effort is in and of itself a collective evil thing, and we should do everything we can to stop it. So that's all I've got on Ukraine. I'm not going to fight you. (laughs) You better not. Let's do something a little more fun. All right. On our... More regular. I hope you got something program. to get that taste out of my mouth. <laughs> I, well, I probably don't. Uh, that's We've got that, that, <laughs> that's raspberry prob- acai seltzer, and it's not getting the job done. That is that is probably yeah. That is that is probably not going to happen. Um. So uh, I have another program uh, to complement our uh, flaming cat index. I have another infrastructure. Oh yeah. So this is um, okay. So I'm going to. By the way, up- I have been. I have been tracking my meetings, yeah. uh, not, not since we last talked, but I have since, you know, I, I began tracking, uh, meetings. So I'm tracking, um, date, time of start, uh, the number, not the number of people invited, but the number of people actually attending. Joined. Yep. The join number of functions or departments or teams or interests, you know, however you want to think about it, that those, those folks represent number of topics that we actually covered, not which were. Uh, on the agenda, and then minutes of of duration. Mm-hmm. Um, so so whereas FCI was like 
people times functions times topics. Last week, we amended that and we added, uh, well, it's a, a, a factor of one for every half an hour, but it's a half if you're 15 minutes. I, no. no, we'll just take minutes over 30. And then it adjusts ah. if you're under a half an hour and it scales up and it makes the math nice and clean. Um, okay. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to start tracking. I won't, you know, I'm not going to bring that up every week unnecessarily, like artificially injected into the conversation. But once I get some solid data, oh, and I'm also tracking, like, I call it, the column is labeled feels with a Z. Like, do I think <laughs> that was a useful use of time? Do I think that was a productive meeting or not? Um, and uh, when I get enough data to make a, a meaningful insight, then I'll, I'll come back to it. But that's uh, I've been tracking that off the side of my desk. One of the things that I would like to do that I'm going to do is actually build a a spreadsheet template and then we'll we'll issue it on the on the website like a, a, an Excel spreadsheet or a, or a Google sheet. And it would just be an empty template that you can fill out all these these pieces of information and then uh, a report tab that visualizes that information in a, in a useful way. So you can see how much of your time you are wasting or not. Oh. That's not ready for prime time. We need the raw data that you're talking about before we can actually yeah. produce that. But that's where I'm going with this mentally. Yeah. Um, well, that's, I've got a couple of pivots already set up off to the side, but it's, it's not a lot of data. It's a, it's a handful of data points so far. They're not, Yeah, we I, I need to let this run for weeks before we start to actually Correct. dial in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in addition, so alongside the flaming cat index, um, I, I have another one, but I, I want to start before I get there. I want to start where, where I came from. Um, are you, uh, are you at all familiar, directly familiar? I know conceptually, you know what they are, but have you, do you have any direct experience with OKRs? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. um, and, uh, what about KPIs? Yep. Okay. So you, you have dealt with, uh, oh, oh crap. Um, um, phrasing. Yeah, my bad. So, uh, OKR objectives and key results and KPIs, key performance indicators. These or, are, or KRAs, which are key results areas related to KPIs, a different kind of attack, but it, it gets very nuanced very quickly. The, the, the yeah. entire, these are all frameworks for people to track their performance in a role or in a responsibility and then measure those results for the benefit of themselves, for the benefit of the employer, so they can see how or, useful or not. Or, or for strategic goal setting as, a, mm -hmm. as an employee. Like if you're looking at the, at the team level, you, you can set OKRs for the team to define the direction and then provide something against which it can be measured. Uh, OGSM is the same thing that I've seen that I really like too. Hey, uh, that's, phrasing! That's, that's objectives... Uh, object, objectives, goals, strategies, and uh, measures. Okay. Um, they all they all bleed over top of each other quite a bit. Um, but yeah, you're, they, you're trying to get to the same infights, defining what success looks like mm -hmm. and what the measuring stick is from here to there. That's it. That's like all of this crap, all of this business management theory. It's just where are we trying to go? How do we get there? And how do we know when we've gotten there? That's it. Yeah. But more, even more based than that, because it, it it is a way to keep everybody moving in the same direction. It's a way to keep individuals from chasing shinies that don't align with where the company is trying to go. You know, in a in a for, you know in our audience, it would be like we've got a product, 
designed, built, and delivered in um, C Sharp. And random, you know, little Jimmy over here decides, I'm going to go explore Rust. You know, oh, poor Jimmy. You know, Jimmy may enjoy exploring Rust and good for him for expanding his horizons. That does not help further the company in any direct way. And I'm not getting into any nerd holy wars here, but, you know, it, fundamentally speaking, you know, let's keep things on the level. It's not it's not aligned. And so all of these systems are really designed to prevent that problem because it, it's communicating the strategy and the direction in a way that everyone knows what it is so that they all move in the same direction because, you know, the CEO sets it and it has to trickle all the way down, but the CEO is not going to oversee and and handle every individual inside the organization. So this is a way to disseminate direction and keep everybody going in the same direction without uh, falling far afield of what the objectives are. That That is the end goal of what these things are. And what I have found in my experience, and I'm curious to hear what you have, I have found in my experience that most of these systems suck ass in practical application. On paper, they make a ton of sense. What I find happens in practice is that when you put one of these things in place, it's always well-intentioned, but it ends up just being a paper-pushing exercise, which is used by leadership to justify giving a person or not a raise, giving them a promotion, you know, giving them a bonus. And um, I don't know. I, I, so I think are the, are the systems and frameworks and methodologies themselves necessarily useless and are they necessarily navel-gazing exercises? No, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's what you're arguing. What you're arguing, no. I, if I'm understanding correctly, is that practically speaking, they never actually work. Right. And the I think my response to that is just like a budget or just like a diet, no, it doesn't work unless you have the discipline to work it. So what that means tactically is to try to lose weight. You got to spend more calories than you take in, right? You want to budget, you want to you want to improve your financials, then then spend less than you make, right? How that translates into OKRs or KRAs, or KPIs or OGSM is that when the metal when when the when the metal hits the road with a rubber and the thing you know when that analogy happens with the two things that meet right um where the rubber meets the road the 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 measures or the indicators or the progress meters they're not numeric right they're not measurable they're not quantitative right so i actually just saw uh i, I just Real, real, like a a wild spreadsheet has appeared uh, in my real life this week, and I saw uh, okay, I saw a set of OKRs. They were the best ones I've ever seen written out because when it got okay, yeah, there's the light fluffy trimmings, but when it got to the specific measures, they were quantitative. Uh, uh, I beg your pardon. They were yeah, quantitative, right? So a ninety percent increase in X, five out of ten Y, six. 12th Z, right? They were very, very specific. And the things that they were measuring were very tactical results that had clear indicators and clear measures for them. And so I think a lot of these that I've seen over time are crap, and I'm agreeing with you. 
Um, but I think the reason they're crap is that those those measures are garbage. Those measures, they're not meaningfully grounded in reality. And that's where you lose people. Because if the actual measure, the thing at the bottom of the chain is ephemeral, nobody's got anything to grab onto. And it's you're right. It's just going to be an excuse to either give you the raise or not give you the raise, depending on what I was already going to do, mm-hmm. right? Depending on how you spin the spin the data. Okay, so, so I think I think a lot of times, yeah, they don't work, but I think they can. I think the problem is that the discipline when they're designed and drafted. I think they work. Okay, I will amend because I agree with what you just said. I'm going to amend and try and clarify what I'm saying. I think that they work to a certain level of to a certain level of hierarchy inside the organization, and below a certain threshold. And maybe that's what we can try and define here. But below a certain threshold, they become navel-gazing, bike-shedding type of uh, exercises. So, for example, okay? So, let's say we've got a software development company, okay? We are building building a product, okay? And so, the CEO obviously has you know, some high level strategic objectives for how we want that product to grow, uh, you know, getting into new markets, growing existing markets, uh, you know, overall stability, customer approval, customer satisfaction. Uh Uh Okay. And you can do very clear cut, nice OKRs around that. You could look at net promoter scores. You could look at new logos. You could look at expansion of existing logos, existing clients, and those sorts of things. And they are measurable. They are specific. They are supposed to be attainable, but stretchable. And so they fit the 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 smart. Oh, did you just drop a smart on me? I dropped a smart. Hey, phrasing. Oh, yep. So smart. They are. They are smart. Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound. That's that's what it is. So I was going to I'm glad you got those because I was going to leave you out to dry if you forgot any of those. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let you squirm in the wind. Right. Right. OK. Fair <laughs> That's enough. That's what friends do. That's what friends do. So <laughs> so and, and so a CEO can obviously you can fit that in very, very well. And I think that that continues on down the line to the, you know, the v, you know, other C-levels, VPs, directors. When you start to reach the level of a manager and an individual contributor, this is where I think things fall off the rails. Okay, so in oh, our, what are you saying? You can't you can't give specific and measurable results to a contributor, Frank. Dude, you just measure lines of code written. It's that easy. <laughs> That's all you, dude. It's Why in the work product. Before? Why didn't we think of that it's, before? <laughs> it's staring you right in the face, my guy. Like, come on. So I. <laughs> Kind of makes my point in a very snarky way. Thank you very much. You get to a certain point and the work is the work and it's not going to change. So the CEO, yes, they have these high level objectives, but the end level individual contributor programmer is going to program. It's going to write code. And, and that's not going to change. And the assignment of the roles that that person is assigned, they generally don't have a lot of control over that. Even their manager, even the teams above that, don't get a lot of control over that. Think about the fights that we get into all the time about dealing with tech debt versus new features. So many times these decisions are well above our um, 
our station, or at least they are decided above our station. Not not even going to get into the argument of whether or not they should be, but they are. And yet companies push these OKRs all the way down the tree. And it just, it reaches a point where it's just silly, where you are trying I think, to- I think like particularly like at the business function level, that's the sweet spot. I mean, they could be fine above that. And they can mm-hmm. be a valuable tool because, you know, the business function is a fractal of the other business functions above it and so on and so forth. I think you make it a really good point, though, because, like, I don't even know. I'm just I'm picturing, you know, a- any of my teams. I'm not really sure there's a great way at the individual level that I would be satisfied. Pardon me. Trying to create smart goals in an OKR framework for contributors or even that team. Mm-hmm. I think at the business unit level, that's the sweet spot at mm-hmm. that and up, right? Because at that business unit level, it's not just my developers. It's also like the operations folks and it's the client services folks and it's the design folks. And it's it's the rest of the functions of the organization forming around that product line. That's where the sweet spot is because then I can say that the smart goal in the OKR, the smart goal in the OGSM, whatever model you're using is – a 20% increase in revenue next year. What does that mean? Well, it depends on each individual person to contribute positively towards that specific goal. And then we can measure the team as a whole, whether or not we met that specific objective. But I think you're you're onto something there. You, you descend down to the contributor level and it's like, well, how? It's like, no, right. like we have teams, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, right? We have teams because Ooh, it allows us like to that. go far and it, well, thank you. And it allows us, I don't know why I can't take credit for that, but I'm gonna, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, you can't, those, those are the measures that matter for the business mm-hmm. and, and to try to force that framework to a lower level, like you're, you, you're losing all of the levers that make it possible to make these goals attainable in the first place. Right. Cause as an, as a, as a, as a rank and file developer, I can't increase the TAM, right? That's right. not in my purview, right? But as a team, I can participate in a conversation, a discourse, a dialogue, an energy, and an ethos that will allow us all to do that together. Right. So I think I think you're absolutely right. I don't think these go down to the individual level. Yeah, and I would say that there are only a few. There are only a few individuals that should have these things to begin with, and it would be your C levels and maybe VPs. Below that, you're assigning it more broadly to units, to departments, and things like that. But the implementation of these often is CEO sets company-wide objectives. Uh, other C-levels inherit those and have their own objectives that sort of boil up. They, they, they attach to. And so, like, here are my objectives, and here, here's how they align. They talk about alignment. Here, this one is right. aligned with this objective. This one is aligned with this objective. Alignment. So this- my God. The number of t- times I hear the word alignment in a day, I want to vomit my <laughs> raspberry acai seltzer everywhere. <laughs> uh and and so there and it all rolls up. Yeah, you know, it's this beautiful utopia where everybody has objectives, and they all oh, birds roll. are chirping at the golden hour as the sun filters Rainbows. through the trees. Yes, I, I mean, right. It smells of freshly baked, you know, Unicorn cookies. Poop. Right, exactly. I mean, all that, all right. And I don't think that's the case. I think you have very high level ones 
for individuals that are in a high level strategic setting, probably C-suite, and that's probably it, maybe VPs or SVPs, depending on what you're doing. Um, and, um, hey, phrasing, just because I want to click it again, vice presidents and senior vice presidents. That's no, I, we didn't have to phrasing that. Yeah, oh, we totally did. Yeah, we did. We needed uh, to hear from you just wanted, again. I, I that's just, Well, that's fine, but don't make excuses. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. I think that it makes sense at that level. As soon as you get to the practical application of the people who are actually on the ground doing the individual work, this whole thing falls apart. And this is where this whole system gets just silly. And uh, assigning assigning OKRs to individuals who know exactly what their job is, and it was the same yesterday as it is today, as it is tomorrow, is 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 a fruitless exercise. And what companies will say is that they do it to validate that person's work and contribution so that they have, you know, a quantitative recognition. But what actually, we're saying all of this to get here. What actually happens with all of these systems, all these different styles of 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 metrics and, and alignment frameworks and things like that? What happens every single time, in my experience, every single time these systems come together is that we put something in there so that there's something in the box so that we can check it. And then at the end of the quarter or the end of the, the end of the year, whatever. We, we make are, excuses for why it didn't get done or the process wasn't followed, we, but we're going to do better next year. Or we, or, or if you're a manager and you've got your team and you know who your, your key performers are and you want to give them raises, you arrange it so that the boxes are checked in such a fashion that they just so happen to qualify for the, for the raise or for the <laughs> bonus that you intended to give them the whole time. This is the part of the system that drives me nuts. We are throwing all of this red tape in front of ourselves for a, and this is where you and I might disagree a little bit, a we're trying to put a quantitative effort into something that is highly, highly qualitative. There I, is a, we're not going to fight. We're not going to fight on this. Actually, I was going to go farther and I was going to take the unpopular stance that as a manager, as a, as a line manager, meaning, meaning a first level manager, like your directs are individual contributors who mm -hmm. have no directs of their own, right? As a, as a line manager, as for software engineer, right? For software mm -hmm. developers, programmers, engineers, we had that fight a few weeks ago, right? right? Is there anything that can actually be measured? My opinion, anything is window dressing on opinion, manager discretion, yes. right? It's, it's my discretion as to whether or not you are contributing more good than you contribute pain to me. I mean, that's really because you can make up all the OKRs and frameworks and you can have performance reviews and you can have annual appraisals and you can do all this other kind of, you can measure lines of code written and number of bugs squashed and features delivered on time and all of that kind of doesn't matter. Right. Because like, like at the end of the day, if I think you deserve a raise because you're doing a bang up job, guess what? I'm going to make that happen. Yeah. And if I think you're not really making the cut and you're letting the team down, that's going to be a whole different type of conversation that happens on its own time frame. Like I, what I'm saying is, you can measure lines of code, you can measure points delivered, you can oh, measure, a zillion you can measure all you of could these things, measure. tons of things. But like, measure. but like, are any of those actual? I want to like, do any of those actually matter? Yes, it, that's a great question. Like, how much of this actually? How much of this actually contributes? 
Like, are you measuring, are you measuring because you can versus, you know, what you, what you should measure? There's a ton of effort right now. Cause like I can measure releases and sprints and, and points and all of this and bugs versus feature and all uh, right. And I do, I can, and I do measure all of that's great. But vis-a-vis the performance of an individual contributor, is there a quantitative metric for a software developer? I think there are things that you can look at, but there is nothing that based purely on numbers you can make a decision about. Because if you have, for example, say you've got some superstar coder who is really good at the language, but is an absolute toxic bloviating douche nozzle that you're just looking for an off-ramp to get rid of him. And so you're just waiting for the end of the quarter for his feature set to be done so you can kick his butt to the curb. This happens. Yeah. You know, toxic and I individuals. Hate, I hate, by the way. No, you're right. You're right. And, are the and, worst. and on the other side, you got somebody who's like maybe not the strongest technician on the team. Yet. Yet. But is working there, mm-hmm. works their butt off, helps cohese the rest of the members of the team, and overall makes everybody's day easier and more effective. Guess what? This person's going someplace. And I really, really regret the precedent that I set by giving relevant names to our episode titles because toxic bloviating douche nozzle would be the title for episode 60. Oh, that's if yeah, I had not it, set that precedent. It, it fits because it, it fits the it, first topic the first and it fits here. That major, I may have to break precedent. I, I would break precedent on this one. I, I think I, like I have it. to. Yeah, I think you like have I'm to. honor bound yeah. at this point. Yeah. I think. I mean, Slava yeah. Ukraini. I think you're, I think you're required right. to, to do it. All right. I'm so okay just with it. For this one we'll case. We'll break precedent. Right. We'll break precedent for this one, for the Ukrainian people and, and the, the bloviating D-bag that needs to be fired at the end of the quarter. Right. Exactly. So um, <laughs> it, it all comes down. There are numerical things that you can look at, but they never, ever give you the full picture. There is so much soft. There's so much gray that does not get quantified. It literally cannot be quantified. It just can't be. And, and we so, are so, we have such hard-ons as a society for quantification. There's oh, the, the quantified self, right? wearables. Metrics. I slept metrics. for seven hours and 13 minutes and REM cycle. For t- Do you feel good or, well, no. Then what the, f- what does it matter? <laughs> Why are you telling me this? Interesting. I tell, like, I like a cool gadget as much as the next guy. I got an Apple watch right here on my desk because I like gadgets. Hi, my name is Chris and I like gadgets. My wife will tell you the same thing, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> Interesting little factoid. Uh, somebody did a study and found out that people who wear, uh, that have the wearables to track your steps, mm-hmm. on average, will actually walk less steps than people who don't wear them because they're, oh, that's count- funny. Because they're counting them. It gets into your head. And so if you just they're simply more let aware it go, of them. Yeah. It just, mm-hmm. and just do your thing, you will, it, with a conscious effort of, I want to walk more and stop counting you tend to be more successful. So, yeah. I mean, just, which only reinforces my point here that you cannot go by the numbers. And indeed, and, no, and this is the part that I don't understand. I, 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 nobody talks about this. Like, like everyone wants to go by the numbers and yet that that is not the case. Nobody, right, everybody says they want to go by the numbers, but nobody, nobody does. goes by the numbers. It's not how it's real life secret, works. Is, it's a secret to everybody is, is, <laughs> It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I all right. Once again, we're going to have to have a pick, and it's going to be the tyranny of metrics by Jerry Z. Muller. Super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. Tell me more. I didn't see the conversation going that way, but we're just we're there. No, and his essentially the the argument the the core thesis here is that 
uh, measurement is neither good nor evil, but what happens is we tend to measure the things that are easy to measure, Yep. but there is no guarantee, and in fact, sometimes it's directly counter that what is easy to measure actually matters or that what matters can even be measured. And so the, the, the point of the book is not don't measure things. It's not throw away your spreadsheets. The point of the book is just be very damned careful when you set measurements up because A, people respond to incentives. Like as I get older, that phrase, that, that mantra rings ever louder in my head. People respond to incentives mm-hmm. and you may regret that they do. Right, because right. if you don't set up the incentive structure correctly, as soon as you set a rule, people are going to game the rule. Right? Yep. But, uh, I mean, come on. Look at if the tax you've law. ever played the tax law. If you've ever played an on on display, I mean, like every single time the tax law has changed, is because somebody was gaming the previous system, and so it's just this endless Mobius strip of loophole closures and openings. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's so. You were going to make and an it's online a, it's a gaming caution. analogy, though. Like, what was your what was your analogy? I was no, I lost it. Yeah, oh. But just like your game, like okay, if I can if I can figure out how to glitch it and shoot through this wall, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Right? Because, and yes, it's unfair, but I could do it, so I did it. Right. I mean, it's just it's it's built into our nature, and so and so the point of the book isn't stop measuring things. It's just be really careful and take it with a huge grain of salt because you're probably thinking about it the wrong way in the first place, not to mention doing it all wrong your whole life up until now. So the tyranny of metrics, this is a, it's, it's quick. It's a light read. Uh, it's, it's a really good book though. Nice. Highly recommended. Good. Nice. Appreciate that. Um, so this is, we're at the point that where I wanted to go when we started the premise was necessary to get there. Um, these are good mental exercises. OKRs, KPIs are good mental exercises. Yeah. They have a small, they have a much smaller spot on, on your org that, or with your org than most places. I think, think about it. it, you know, put them at the top levels, share it with everybody. Let everybody know, but yeah. individual teams, individual executors, they know what they have to do. They just need to go and do it. And that's never going to change. And the people who are overseeing those people directly are the best equipped to tell you who your high performers and your low performers are. And they're going to make those assertions with or without metrics. Metrics can help, but they are, I will never, I will never reward what I consider a quote unquote bad or poor performer simply because their numbers looked good. No manager worth their salt will ever do that. And yet, we live and die by these OKRs and KPIs that, it, 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 at least on paper, we do. And and then when it comes time to actually execute this, it, I just had this discussion with HR where we like we talked about it, you know, the, and and the metrics, and we're setting them all up. But when it came time to do the to do the reviews, it was okay. What do you want to give them? What do you want to do? It wasn't like a calculation. Yeah. They were asking me my assessment and I made the call numbers were an input, but they weren't the final say so. And I, I I just don't understand why we don't talk about this in a more overt, just open fashion. Cause this is literally how it gets done. This is how it's always been done. And all of this paperwork to, to put check boxes in the right place is just stupid. CYA time wasting nonsense that doesn't get anybody anything concrete, anything more concrete than what they already had. 
I have had to justify all of my raises. I have not pulled anything out of my butt, but never was that justification. Well, I mean, look at the numbers. I mean, just, just look at the numbers. Since they speak for themselves. You bristled your mustache and more money appeared. It was great. Yeah, I did that. Like I got in their face and just numbers. And that was it. That was the whole situation. There was a whole conversation and, and, and they, they get the raises. That's not how it works. You know, no, I think I, I think the so I think these are good exercises. If you're in a management position, these are good exercises to do from time to time, right? Mm-hmm. Don't spend a month on it. You don't need to. Think through it. Put some thought into it. Be a be a careful. Be a thoughtful. Be a considerate leader. Think about the ways. Think about the things that matter. The organization strategic alignment. Like those those are things you should do. And then. Make everybody aware that these are the goals and this is how you'd like to see things unfold and then move on. (laughs) The point is, the point is don't, don't then try to turn that into a cudgel with which you beat people on a quarterly basis or, or try to turn it into some uh, mechanism to dispense carrots and sticks. Like, because that, that's where it does start to break down. There can be real business consequences to teams that underperform. And guess what? When there are business consequences, there are people, red employment and pay consequences when Always. business outcomes are not met, right? That's right. the reality. Every We're all adults here. We know how this works. But I think like a little more understanding that in this highly de- litigious, quantified self world that we exist in, in in modern corporate America, there's just gray area. And guess what? In in the technology sector, people hate that. Oh hate my gosh, area. do people hate, hate black and white, right? Because we're orderly people. We like to build things. We like to fix things. We like to put things together and then they work and then they don't not work. And it's black and white and that's mm-hmm. the way the world is. And it's very easy. And that, that worldview, I would love to regain that worldview because it's just so pure and innocent and friggin' stupid. But, I love it. <laughs> But once you, I, but you have you have what philosophers but as life call goes the on, curse of knowledge. You can't as, unknow what you know. As as again as like as life goes on, I just I see more and more gray in more and more areas, mm-hmm. and it's not that simple. And it's you know, I've even simple. got people that will come to me and say, you know, look. Uh, this is this is the thing, and here's the technology. This is why we should use it. And I understand maybe there's a business case that we shouldn't do it this way, but this is the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. I said, well, wait a minute. You just contradicted yourself, right? Because if if the technology is not serving the business, it's not the right way to do it. That's right. Right. And this isn't this is not an academic research team, right? It's a business. And so while I give as much I give as much latitude to those like far thinkers on the team as I possibly can. I suffer them every opportunity to do things the right way. I will block and tackle for them so that they can do the thing that they know should be done the way they should do it. And I'm happy to do that's part of my job. (laughs) But sometimes, no, the right way to do it is the way that ensures everybody gets to stay employed next year, right? Like that's that that yep. level of reality seeps in at some point. And like you said, you can't unsee it. Yeah. I think the mistake that a lot of people are making today culturally is um, errantly thinking, perhaps even subconsciously, that uh, businesses are not people employment machines. That's not why they exist. They do not exist to employ people to give them a salary. Businesses exist to serve a customer, to serve a client, deliver a good, deliver a service. Employment of the people- to stay in business. Right. Employment of people is a 
requirement to fulfill that objective and so a key ingredient but it is not and it, byproduct it, of it is right it in, is a, a, in a virtuous cycle or you know put it more succinctly that's not the goal it's a means to an end not the end itself and a lot of people get this very confused and they see this as somehow evil it's not we don't have enough time to go into the philosophies of and economics of of capitalism and why it's actually in fact um not evil not but actually evil. quite yeah. but but quite the opposite in fact quite quite the opposite um but suffice to say for the conversation right now that's not the that's case. a strong that may be the strongest statement of the day that something is not not evil wait not that is not evil they were they were they were emphasis nots they were like emphasis you know, knots. Yeah, yeah. Right. Not, okay. Not, not, not really comma. Not. not evil. Right. 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 We did two right. knots. So really not is kind of what we really were doing like. Yeah. Like double plus not. Double. If you right. Like. Double secret not. Yeah. Right. Totally. Um, and so, oh my gosh, I completely lost my train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, how much time we got? Okay, we've got a few. Right. Minutes. The objective I, is not employment. The objective is doing business. Employment is a requisite to and a byproduct of having done business well. Right. Right. Okay. So now to dial this all, but to bring this all back, OKRs great at the high level. Maybe not even individual, but departments. But that's about it. When it comes to individuals, there's you know there's gray. There always has been gray. There always will be gray. And yet we use these systems that are numerical that don't fully fit. Okay. Well, enter Frank. And his observation of this nonsense, his entire career, and I think I have a solution. Oh, so, you had some new measure. I forgot. I forgot all about this. <laughs> you need another drink, man. I'll pass you another one. Wow. So I can get through this really quick because it's really quick. That's the whole point. So outside of the high level strategic objectives of a of a uh, organization or a department or a team, if there is actually a strategic insight that shifts the go- shifts the target for a team, like if they're going off to the right, something changes and now they have to go to the left. You know, you obviously, those are the things you want metrics on, but the programmer doing codes, not, not, not a thing that I, I, I need you to put objectives on because it's going to no. be the same objectives every time. So right, right. Good or code. Right. That's and, the this, and the interesting thing here is if you follow the conversation that we've had thus far, this rolls all the way up, even to the CEO. The CEO has strategic objectives, but then how they get implemented, CEO, do CEO stuffs, you know, like it's always at the end of the be- day, even the CEO right? at That's the end right. of the That's day is 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 the board satisfied with that person or not? Exactly. That determines whether she'll retain, remain the CEO for another quarter. Exactly. And so I have come up with a, call it a complementary, not necessarily an alternative system, Mm -hmm. but a complementary to cover the parts that I think we're using these systems for that don't fully really fit. Okay. And I call it CDTs. And CDT. Hey, phrasing means is stands for cool things I did CTDs and it is exactly what it sounds like so this is you know the whole point if the whole point of the processes that we have had is to have a process then it shouldn't be a process so let's just track what actually happens and so the way you do CTDs is really simple you start the year the quarter whatever and you have a blank sheet of paper 
and you hold on to that blank sheet of paper through the course of your of of the the time period in question. Over the course of that time period, when you get done work, successful metrics, milestones, wins, uh, over and above effort, working a weekend, saving might a I customer. Say, might I say when you do a cool thing? When you do a cool thing, you go to that document and you write that shit down. And at the end of the quarter or the year or whatever, you now have a hopefully very long list of cool things that you've done. And when it comes to review time, you take that sheet of paper or digital file, you hand it to your manager. The two of you have a conversation about the things on your list, as well as anything that maybe the manager noted, because your manager can keep a, a, a list as well. But the caveat here, and this is where it really deviates it also really deviates from these other systems. The onus is 100% on the individual. The manager has to do and is obligated to do nothing for this. The employee creates the file. The employee tracks the stuff. The employee at the end of the time period reports the stuff. It is all on them. And they bring it to the table, present it to the manager. The manager now has additional justification or all the justification they need or not to make a recommendation for what that person will get for the previous period. Is that going to be the be all end all? No, as we just discussed, but it's not, this is not numerical stuff. This is a written description of things that got done. This is, this is by definition and intentionally a non quantifiable list of information, which allows you because it's analog, it allows you to have the infinite levels of gray area sort of built into it. And so when you hand this to the manager, the manager has the information. They can talk to you about it. And then when they're done, if if the company requires it, because this has happened to me several times where I have pushed for a promotion for somebody, I needed to give in writing, why should this person get this promotion? Yeah. Why should this person get the raise? Guess what? You've got your CTDs right there. Copy, paste, done. And it's out the yeah. door and you have everything covered. If you do this consistently over the course of your career, here's the and bonus points for this system. If you do this consistently over your tenure, guess what? The resume, your resume block just wrote itself. Just wrote itself. That's exactly yeah. right. That is exactly yeah. right. And so you're able to take the biggest highlights, pop them onto the page, or hell, customize your resume on a case-by-case -case basis to highlight the things that are most important to whatever company you happen to be speaking to. The benefits are immeasurable. It eliminates a ton of logistical overhead. It took me what? I can look at the timer here. Probably 30 seconds, 45 seconds to explain the whole system. Done. Done. What do you think? And I would say some of the most successful people that I know are, are note takers. Oh, uh, you, you have to be. You, you, you got right. it. And, and, just, you, you, and you, you, got you it. just apply that same discipline to writing down the cool things you did um no and i, I the, the benefit if if you've ever gone and you've argued for a raise you've argued yep. for a promotion you've argued for a bonus um you wrote a resume to argue for a new job right that is potentially pardon me conceivably better than the one you have so that's still kind of a promotion right nobody switches into a worse job mm, ideally, uh, all no. things considered so yeah all things considered um yeah, I think that's, uh, and it's also serves as sort of a, like, uh, 
oh, well, what do you mean are, are you know, I'm just thinking like further down the line, trying to think a couple of moves ahead in the chess game here. What else could you use the CTDs for? Oh, yeah. Um, well, how about, uh, you know, oh, well, well, we don't really have a problem with this. You go because somebody works something up and we need to revamp this process because it's just not working, fella. Mm-hmm. And, well, what do you mean? This works fine. I don't see. And you can go back to your CTDs and say, oh, yeah, well, here's 19 cases over the course of 18 months where I had to go in and do a cool thing because this process fails all go. the time. You know, there, um, you there are other things that you can use it for. Um, it's just like all of the, oh, we're not going to go into a whole thing here. We don't, we're, we're out of time, but like the, all of the benefits that like journaling, I'm not a journaler, journalizer, journalerator, but I, I hear it's a good thing to do. Um, journalisming, journalisming, journal, journalisming, ying. Um, <laughs> I'm yeah. not a journaler, but I, I hear, you know, I, I understand the benefits and I, you know, I, I don't, I was going to say like, oh, I wish I was a, I don't really, cause I don't. You don't, don't really need, want to but do you don't it. need to be. I think you're but it's, far but, enough in but your But the career. bang you, for the buck in a professional sense, like, is there with this? Because that's you, really what you're looking for. Just just quick wins, right? Quick highlights. Quick highlights. And would you agree, I mean, at the stage you're at, the station you're at now, there's no way you do your job without taking really good notes and keeping track of things. Well, yeah, because I mean, the job's organization. Exactly. Organizing peoples so and even, processes and teams and projects. Like, if I can't do that... Exactly. So you're making my point. You're making my point for you, you. You describe yourself as somebody who doesn't like to actually journal and take a lot of notes. And yet it is a crucial mission yeah. critical component of your job that doesn't change as you as you progress through your career. You know, there's a ton of underlay to this as well. I mean, we've covered some of it. The other side, the, the, the note taking, but also the fact that you are your own proponent. No one cares about you the way you care about you, your manager may, may say they care about you. And in fact, not, um, even if they do say they care about you, they don't care about you more than they care about themselves. We are all, we are always our own best, um, uh, enemy. Well, I mean, ally, ally, um, <laughs> cheerleader, etc. And so we need to, we need to do that and you need to get and if you're not doing that, you need to get better at that. Here's a real easy way to do that. Write down the cool stuff that you did. And then when there is a conversation or a question, you can just pull that list out and refer to the cool things that you did. And now you are lobbying for yourself and selling yourself and you didn't even have to think about it. So there's a whole, there's a whole undertone to this that I'm, I'm, I'm glossing over very, very heavily. Um, but uh, it had to have a cool acronym. Uh, and actually our mutual friend, uh, David, actually helped me with this. He is the, um, he, he helped me uh, come up with the, um, with the nickname for it, the CTDs, because I mean, if we're going to go up against the likes of KPIs and OKRs, I mean, you got to have a, a gotta ser- have an acronym. You got to have a serious sounding acronym. And so, you know, yeah. when this gets published in, you know, Inc magazine about CTDs, and then the CEO goes into the, into the boardroom the next day, we need to implement CTDs. It is the latest and greatest in business efficiency. <laughs> Actually, I believe I want to be the actually guy for a second. I think it's initialism. I think an acronym has to be pronounceable. Great. I'm, I'm so glad to so hear actually, that. You like that? I just swoop in. You get you do, you you drop this awesome new framework, right? We mm-hmm. got a cool we got a cool new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a directive. We we allow people to help themselves suck a little less each day, right? That's the whole motto here. Mm-hmm. And then I come in and just crap on the whole thing with a bad joke. That's my specialty. That, That's that what is, I just ruined the mood. That is your that is 
That is absolutely your shtick. I will I will close this place down. <laughs> <laughs> I will burn the mother down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, if you've got cool initialisms or acronyms or uh, you have a personal experience keeping CTDs, we would love to hear about it. You can record something on your phone and email it to us at feedback at refactor.work. Uh, refactor um, or you can just send us an email and write it out if you're like a schmuck and you don't want to have your voice that. You know, people still do on that the airwaves for our billions of listeners. Billions. 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 Billion served. Mm-hmm. Frank is online at hotcoals, K O E H L S.com. You can find his writings there. Mine are at chris.tonkinson.com. This has been, uh, oh, by the way, episodes, uh, back episodes, show notes, archives, book recommendations, the whole nine yards at, at the main site at refactor. You got in my head now. I'm messing I'm up sorry. the whole my flow bad. of the thing. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> refactor.work is where you can find that. This has been episode 60, recorded March 1st, 2022. Uh, Slava Ukraini. Yeah. And on top of that, one thing I forgot. If you have any business in Russia, get the fuck out of Russia. Dissociate from your Russia. If you have a JetBrains account, get rid of JetBrains, okay? Get rid of all that crap. Get out of there. Slava Ukraini, Chris. See you, man. <laughs>